Hey, Bird, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, this is going to be a good conversation and talking about parenting like Black Lives Matter. And of course, as I think many of you know, or maybe you don't, this is the first time listening to Progress or Perfection. I'm Black, American, African-American. You blackity black, black? I'm Black. Depends, <laughs> you know, people want you know, how, how Black, you know. And you Black, then, Black. Uh, uh, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I try to be polite, though, and try to be a man of God. It requires a lot you of are. patience sometimes, oftentimes. And you're white. But how would you describe me? I am white. But re- how would you, you really are, describe me if you could? You white. You got some soul. <laughs> you, got some you, you know soul. how to cook a pork chop and, and greens. <laughs> I mean, everybody talks about your greens. Everybody. Yes. Who's coming to our house? And macaroni and cheese, but that's thanks to your grandma. I mean, yeah, you got the recipe. And your mom. And, and, you know, the first time you made it, the first few times I had to tell you it wasn't, you weren't hitting. Cooked. I wasn't hitting. You, it was good, but it wasn't as good as how my mom made it. And it, you you practice. And at this point now, you're you're right there. And now you've added your own little twist. You've, you've learned, mm-hmm. um, you know, how, how, to, how to do some things with the noodles and get it just. Anyway, you know, so, so, you know, race and culture and our affiliation, I think, I know, you know, you guys are probably aware. You know of Sela's story. My, you know, my, my story is you know somewhat straightforward, traditional. Obviously, um, I have black parents. My mother is very fair skinned To many people, she would you would think she's white. And I had a friend in college. I'll never forget. Uh, it was parents' weekend, and my friend walked up and never met my mother. And um, and I introduced introduced my mother to my friend, and, and he said <laughs> later on he told me I thought your mom was white until she opened her mouth, and I knew she was black. <laughs> So, that is true about my man. So, so yeah. So you know, he was. We laughed about that. I said, "Yes, that's you know, probably not the first time that's happened." You know, so I, I appreciated him saying that to me, um, because that's how these most black thing, even black people will think. You know, I think some white folks will still think or assume she's white, and that's you know led to a very interesting experience for her. Maybe we'll have her as a guest yes. sometime. But want to start out our conversation and and see, let's you know ask you or you know ask ourselves. You know, how do we consider? Or did we consider race as we, became, you know, prepared to become parents? And you know, Paige was was on the way, and we had Paige. And you know, was was race or racial identity a consideration at, at that stage as we prepared to become parents? So honestly, for me, it wasn't, and I was very naive. And I'm just going to be really honest. And judge me if you choose. That's your issue, not mine. Um, I I want to speak to a lot of my white sisters. So clench your pearls if you'd like, but a lot of us as young white girls saw this mixed race baby as being the cutest thing in the world. And I remember in my era, I graduated high school around 1996. um, And that was a time where it was like, Oh, I'm going to get married and I want to have mixed race babies. And they're the cutest. Y'all was having that conversation. Oh God. Yes, we were. Yes. About how cute they were and how adorable they were. And I still see people on social media all the time posting pictures of mixed race kids and being like, is this what my kid would look like guys and girls? I've Mm -hmm. seen guys do it too. And I feel like sometimes for me, I will speak just for myself. I got caught up in how cute they were and how adorable it was. And I never once for a second thought that I'm going to have to deal with unpacking how my daughter sees herself. And she feels bad that she sees herself more as a black girl because her mother is white. And the the toll that that takes on our relationship of her saying things to me like, I still love you, mom, but 
And I'm like, baby, you don't have to tell me that. You can love everything about your black culture. I want you to love everything about your black culture and never have any guilt because I'm your mom and I'm white. So like those type of things, I never thought about. I never thought that my child would struggle with identity. I have a ton of nieces and nephews. I'm probably not even going to get 13. We have 13. 13. Okay. 13 nieces and nephews. I've never once watched any of my niece and nephews struggle with their racial identity because they're white. Or two of them are black though. Two of them are black, but they're still young and I'm not like in their life. I'm talking about my side of the family. Yeah. I have two on Russell's side of the family, but they don't live locally um, and I don't get to see them as much. And they're still very young. I'm speaking more of to like getting older, like 10 and up. For my niece and nephews that are 10 and up, I've never seen them struggle with their racial identity. I've never seen them struggle with, I don't fit in because of my race. Yes, there's bullying. Yes, you're chubby. Come on, if y'all ever seen me, you know I'm chubby. So there's chubby in my family. So I'm sure that they've dealt with the bullying in that aspect, but none of them have ever, ever had to deal with a racial bullying. And that is a whole nother level because I remember being young and being picked on as kids. And one of my brothers and I, we joan on each other. I don't know if y'all from Maryland, Merlin, as we call it, but we say joning a lot. So we would joan on each other and we would do so good with the Jones, the fat jokes, because we got those, but we knew how to come back on those, but it's a whole different thing when you're being joned on your race, you can lose weight. You can't change your color. Like I can no longer be fat. I can cut my hair. I can get better shoes because they made fun of us for that too. We had cheap shoes, but like I could, you can't change your color of skin and I can't, I can't help Paige change something that someone's making fun of her about where I could change being fat. I could change my shoes. There's a lot to unpack there. You know, first, you know, the fetishization of, of exotic looking or mixed race children. And you know, there's a lot of that on, you know, on social media. And so it's certainly, you know, that's that's interesting. There's a um, lot in our commercials. Sure. There's a, a lot, ton. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that in, in advertising now. We see mixed race uh, families, which is beautiful. But then you also see like uh, racially ambivalent, usually, I would say usually women, but mm-hmm. also men. And that's a fascinating phenomenon. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of trying to explain and understand that. And, and you know, like, it's clear advertisers are trying to reach a, a broader audience, a more uh, diverse audience. And I think many of us you know know the statistics. I think for the first time in American history, I think uh, that five, the average five-year-old or five-year-olds are mostly brown or black yeah. um, in this country. And, and pretty soon, obviously, is that demographic shifts in the next 20 years, uh, we're going to become a predominantly brown country. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, <laughs> issues around that we might unpack, um, you know, more uh, in, in this space. And of course, you know, our, our, our nieces and nephews haven't had to deal with their race because they're white. Exactly. And they've primarily inhabited white spaces. And of yeah. course, um, you know, white is considered the norm, mm-hmm. right? Um, the default, if you will. And and so that definitely, you know, complicates things. I think on, on my end, I didn't really consider it. I just knew that I think there were two things I was very certain of, I continue to be very certain of. One is I, I knew my children would have a strong identity and awareness of their race. Um, and, you know, I guess in an in a older age, I might be considered a race man in terms of someone who um, is, is not shy about my race and, and that, what that means to Repeat be. Repeat that? I, I've never heard this. To be, a, be, a, ra- be a, race a race man, man yes. Someone who stands up for his people, for, oh, for wow. being, a, being a Black American and uh, being able to communicate that experience um, directly and at times, uh, you know, bluntly to people who need to understand it and be aware of okay, the Okay, so impact. here's a dumb question yeah. I'm going to ask from, from, from ask the white it. perspective. Yeah. Can white people be a race person? No. Could I, I mean, be 
very like I've never stand heard stand up for people of a different race, or is this just you can only be a race person for your own race? I've never. I don't know. That's a good okay. question. I'm just, I just. I don't know. I've, okay. I've heard of it in the context of of you know. I was watching the Jackie. You might saw me this weekend watching the Jackie Robinson documentary, mm-hmm. and people referred to him as a race man, someone who was going to be a credit to their race, someone who was going to stand up. For their race. For okay, their race. Their, yeah, yeah, for their okay, race. Thank you. Am I answering your question? Yes, you're answering. So I think it. in the white context, yes. I think it's it's you know, it's almost like perhaps, and this is maybe a, a terrible comparison. I don't know, but I'm thinking shooting from the hip, the N word, right? So if a white person stood up for their race, you're thinking neo Nazi KKK, like, this right? This is true. Yeah. So it really all, and race, you know, again, is a man made construct, um, right? A, a, an idea, a creation. Um, of men is it's based on power and creating a power dynamic, right? That's the underpinnings of race. So we have to understand that. Um, so obviously as, as, as black Americans, not having a power dynamic, ha- not having power in this country to be a race person, to stand up, to create space, to, to move your race forward towards equality in this society has been something that black people historically have been credited with doing. So people like Jackie Robinson, people like Paul Robeson, of course, Dr. King, I mean, there's so many others, Frederick Douglass, um, and, and, and black women as well. Um, I've, I've mostly heard of it and internalized it in the context of, of a race man. So I'm, if, I'm sure a race woman has been been a part of that conversation as so well. So the better term might be just ally. That would what I that would be my term for sure. someone who stands up for somebody. Sure. Okay. Yes. yes. Okay. So yes. that would you would be as in your race yes. you would be a race man, but I would be as a different race yeah. an ally. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just yes. want to make sure yeah. I'm understanding. Yeah. Okay. So we're I'm trying to get here. all yeah. the terms down, yeah. Yeah. and I'm trying to help other people so get again, all the terms so again, down. No. So there were still again there were two things. One, I knew that I would be transmitting mm-hmm. that history, right? And I'm descended from a free African that fought in a, a free person of color, a free black man fought in the American Revolutionary War. I have Civil War black history. I can trace one of my ancestors back to Mount Vernon being owned by the family of the first president, George Washington. Like, so I have all this black American history. So you are black history. Yes. You I'm, are yeah, black I mean, history. I, I, On fe- in I February. Know we I know are. it. I know it. I can, I can name these people and trace it. My, my, my lineage back multiple generations in this country on this land. So wow. to be able to, I know it's going to communicate that number one, number two, I know it's going to communicate that my children were, were, were sons or daughters in our case, daughters of, of God. Amen. And and those are the two things I wanted them to to take forward. So obviously understanding the times they live in, understand the context that they lived in. And of course, if we look at Jesus, he lived in the time of the Roman Empire. He understood the context and the times that he lived in. He spoke to those. And so I want my I want and knew my daughters. I would raise my daughters to be similar to be able to understand the context with which they live in, understand the context of the bodies that they inhabit and how the society is going to view them, and be able to be equipped to handle that and move forward. Uh, in that way, but also standing up for the marginalized and oppressed, which tend to be black and brown folks, poor folks, gay folks, uh, uh, people in the society who are not considered the the default mainstream or are not accepted in certain places. So those are the two things that I knew. And I really it, it really wasn't a, a conscious awareness, but I've thought about being a parent a lot in my in my life, in my adult life. And was uh, those are the two things I knew. So it wasn't, I guess, so much, you know, how do we prepare? I just knew what I was going to do. And I knew enough to know that you would be on, you know, you wouldn't stand in the way of it. I no. didn't know. I wasn't really sure how much you would would be on board. I, I figured I, kn- I knew marriage would be a journey. And certainly it has been it's going on seven years. Yes. A few days now. But yes. I knew, Happy well, anniversary. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make it. I'm gonna You're going to make it, okay, I think. I, almost, I wasn't sure. Y'all, I don't know. I Yesterday sure. I wasn't, I wasn't sure, sure. But today sure. we're doing better today. I wasn't sure. So, <laughs> so you know, trying to make it one day at a time out here. Um, well, you got so, one day. You know, I knew you. I knew enough to know you wouldn't. You wouldn't stand in the way of either of those two things, and I was confident enough to know that you would. You would understand it and come along. So, 
Um, so the next thing, you know, kind of want to. Go, you know, I want to actually. I want to ask yeah. you a question. Right, ask me a question. So I have noticed a difference um, from Paige. Okay, so you guys that don't know us very well, our first daughter, um, she's a little more brown skin. Our second daughter, Natalie, um, is a little more fair skin. She calls herself black blonde. Okay, <laughs> y'all. I have the, the cutest video. One day she's just talking to me. She's explaining these two different statues that we have. These little vases that look like black people and then a light skinned black person and she's going on telling me how Paige is the black one and she is the lighter one because i'm black blonde as she says just in that same voice and i'm like wait wait you're what i'm black blonde and i'm like okay and i started smiling and then i guess she feels like i didn't hear her so she just starts black blonde black blonde black blonde black blonde black i'm like okay natalie i got it okay so now that's our our joke that natalie's black blonde but um I have noticed such a difference in you being out in public. Now there's plenty of times that we're out in public and Russell walks away with one of our girls or he's walking ahead of us. I'm behind and people have no idea that we are together. Right. So I have seen how people look at him and treat him when he is with Paige uh, in turn, considered to when you're with Natalie. And I have noticed a clear difference. So I want to ask you, like, what have you noticed and how does that make you feel when people see you with Paige, who is more brown skin like you, to Natalie, who's more fair skin like me? Well, here's the interesting thing. Okay. A few things to unpack on this question. So number one, as I said, my mother was very fair skin. And so I, I, I experienced racism at an early, I experienced bigotry of, of an early age of people wow. thinking my mother was white. Mm-hmm. And, and and I was um, uh, black. And so at four years old, I was at Bob's Big Boy, I think in Wheaton, Maryland. And this teenage white kid was, sent us a very ugly scout. And I tweeted about this recently, uh, a few months ago. And, and um, you know, he was kind of looking at us and paying us a lot of attention to really ugly scout. And we were sitting in a booth in a window. I'll never forget he walked outside and like left, like walking away to the parking lot and turned around and gave my mother and I to our window, the middle finger as he walked away. And I remember turning to my mom and asking her, asking her why did he do that and what did that gesture mean? And, and my mother, the best she could, I guess, explained it to me um, that it wasn't very nice. Um, but I always, it, it burned in my memory. I'll never forget that. And then my my uh, parents divorced, my my father remarried, my stepmother uh, still, you know, is, 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 was and is white. And so I, I would often be the only brown kid, um, you know, in her, in her care and around her and my younger brother and sister who's, who present white, I would say primarily. Um, and so I, I'm used to getting the looks. I grew up getting the look. I grew up getting questions from my friends on the playground um, and, and people wondering about my parentage. Right. And, and so I, it's been hard, but I've understood how to respond to it. But I've also understood the questioning looks uh, in uh, of white people, even sometimes the menacing or uncomfortable looks of white people. And I understand that some of those looks could just be white folks having a bad day. Yeah. But I also understand that some of those looks are truly about people who are not pleased or do not like to see um, me and what my family uh, represents. So I've had to understand that and accept um, that reality and know how to handle it. So even with Paige, like she's gotten browner every summer. (laughs) She she, does. Right. So when she was younger, I would get, I would still get those looks and even still now, because besides, you know, her, her brown skin, she otherwise might present. And I think white people often make the assumption that, that you're white because, because who would want to be black? Right. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a default. And this is the, this is the sickness of racism and white supremacy in our society. I think by and large, white folks will assume the default if they look at you and it's like not obvious, they're going to assume the default. So then therefore, why is this young white girl with this big black guy? 
And then with Natalie being fair skinned also. And so I'm very much used to, to getting looks. I'm very much used to people figuring, trying to figure things out. I never forget being in a grocery store with, with Natalie. I think I might've just been with Natalie. She was a baby. Wait, the, you went to the grocery store? This is before the pandemic. Lord, can we get the date and time of that one? Because that was a long... Up. Oh, that was when Natalie yeah. was a baby. Yeah, okay, because yeah, yeah. that was a long time. The grocery store actually was is not I'm closed joking. when I went to. Actually. I'm joking with you. He goes, sometimes, y'all. Sometimes. <laughs> very short list. Um, yeah, very short list. Thank God I don't know what anything is anymore. Because <laughs> I'm spoiled between, you know, Insta, between Instacart and my wife. I'm spoiled. Um, but this lady started having a nice conversation and said, oh, wow, she's beautiful. She must look like her mother. Mother must be beautiful. I said, well, her mother's beautiful. And she does look like her mother's son, but she looks a lot like my mother. And the she lady does. just, her mouth just dropped. She kind of just stared at me and like, was like, 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 uh, 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 like didn't know what to say. And so, you know, we've, we've had this conversation. We, we tease my mother and Natalie about being, looking like each other's, like looking like each other's yeah. twins. We've recently seen baby pictures come my mother sent over that they look so much alike. Um, and so that this really, like the, it didn't compute in this lady, this, this white lady who's a cashier at this grocery store mind. So again, I'm used to that awkwardness. I'm used to that. It doesn't make feel make awkward to me. It's not uncomfortable to me, but I'm I'm used to that. Um, but I still am, am bothered by it. I'm still very much aware that if in the wrong environment, that you know, someone might assume or want to be well, not so much at this point, because my daughters can speak for themselves and say, Hey, this is my dad. Mm -hmm. But I've certainly been aware, and there was a story in the Washington Post three or four years ago about a, 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 a father, a black father, walking with his kids. I think in D.C. and someone called. I think it was the at the National Harbor. Down yeah, in yes, D.C. Yes, yes, or in yes. Southwest on the Southwest Something waterfront. Like that. Yeah, and mm -hmm. um, you know, his his wife is white and their kids are mixed race but fair skin. And someone's like this black guy stealing these babies or whatever, and called the police on this guy. And so you're very much aware of of having to that you might at some point, God forbid, have to explain yourself and that these are your children. Um, and so that's you know, so and that's, that's certainly so the society we, we were in. White people never have to think of that. Well, Not exactly. for one second, exactly. ever. Exactly. I've never, ever, ever, ever had yeah. to think about somebody asking me if these children were mine or have a fear that someone would call the police on me and my children. Right. I can't eat. I can't wrap my head around it. What well, a so fear, but it's something you think about and know, you know, and you think about and, you know, run through your mind. What would you say? Yeah. What would you do? You know, um, to to wow. eliminate the, the any, any confusion that that might arise. Right. And so I'm sorry. Yeah. All of those things happened to you. Well, that's, I'm really sorry. Well, I know. Not, well, I don't think there's anything to be sorry about. Is I think I it's know. just the the reality of of our country, yeah. and these are the experiences. And this is and this is America, Jack, as my favorite professor Jerry Watts would say. What rest in peace. It's America. So again, I I, I guess I'm I'm prepared because I grew up with it. I grew up understanding, you know, that there were there, there were questions and people don't understand, um, you know, don't understand race, you know, in America. Mm -hmm. You know, we have this new NFL football coach who just got hired by the Dolphins who looks white and his, his grandfather was black apparently. And people don't understand like how that could be, like how did he look, how he look? And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of white folks walking around here. They have black ancestors. Um, and we don't want to talk about mm -hmm. it. You know, um, yep. you know, I'm, I'm descended from, a, from a, a, my great, great, great grandmother, um, you know, was, was, was raped by the slave master's son. And I'm the progeny of that. And so, um, you know, and, and apparently they were, you know, leaders in the confederate in the confederacy mm -hmm. um in in culpeper virginia and so like and she again, ran away and escaped correct? well she escaped to, to mm -hmm. baltimore you know slavery ended after the war and she ended up in baltimore and raised her and raised her daughter and um and so you know th that these experiences are real and, it, and these are the experiences that a lot of people are uncomfortable with and don't want to yeah. don't want to discuss and confront um the realities of that you know and, and i'm a firm believer that we can't know where we're going until we know where we are and, and know and understand where we've been so we can grapple with how to make uh, the world better. So again, knowing all this, it, it gives me strength and empowers me to understand, um, you know, what I might confront even in 2022 and beyond 
And then also, again, being able to give our daughters the tools to be confident who they are, to understand um, their, their identity as, you know, being white and being black, but that they're most often going to be perceived as being black, but also being citizens of God's kingdom and understanding that they need to stand up for people who, who are um, who are oppressed or who are experiencing bias or racism mm -hmm. or yes. sexism yes. and understand how to how to um, to leverage whatever, you know, however they show up in those spaces, whether they, people think they're white, people think they're black, they can't control that, yep. but how they, they can control how they show up. And that's the most mm -hmm. important thing. Exactly. So speaking of, you mentioned the word uncomfortable a second ago. I want to go and start talking about our Black Lives Matter family protest right. experience that we had because uncomfortable when you said that word and I, I knew I wanted to kind of talk about the, the Black Lives Matter protest. I think we made a lot of... Um, of our fellow white people uncomfortable in Annapolis that day. I remember there was a lot of looks and and smugs used and to it, used you know to it, used to it. But yeah, so let's talk about that because you know we've never done that before. We took yeah. our kids to a Black Lives Matter protest yeah. rally. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Well, our church got a per you know got a permit you know mm -hmm. and was assisted you know by the Anne Arundel County Police. Yes, and, and, and you know so it wasn't a situation where it wasn't like, violent. Unfortunately, what we what we seen saw on the news and yeah. other places where where people, you know, and God bless them and people who, who put their body on the, on the line and have died um, to or, or been physically assaulted or maimed um, as a result of their protest. So we weren't in that situation. Uh, thank God. Thank God. Um, but so, you know, very much a family, very, very diverse protest where we marched um, into downtown Annapolis. And then my, our pastor got up and preached and had, you know, have worship. And it was a little bit of a church service, but it was very mm -hmm. much a Black Lives Matter protest. Why don't you um, share about like how, where we walked from and then where we ended up? We walked the, from the Naval Academy the Stadium. We walked from the Naval Academy Stadium and we walked all the way down to the port of Annapolis where um, we know slaves um, came ashore um, in downtown Annapolis. Mm -hmm. And um, Alex Ailey and Roots, his family lineage, his ancestor, um, which I believe Kunta Kinte, in fact, came yes. ashore at that location in Annapolis, Maryland, not far from where we live. And so there was very much symbolism in terms of us marching down to to that location. Um, I believe it was in June of 2020. And so, you know, we took our daughters, you know, you know my wife got the t-shirts off Amazon, which I thought was kind of corny, but we wore them. You know, I'm like, all right, like, ordered, I'm corny, y'all. We're, su we're, support we're supporting Jeff Bezos and ordering these Black Lives Matter t-shirts. I'm like, all right, you know, they came before I even knew it. I'm like, all right. So, you know, we go and, and I was blessed to have a bullhorn um, and, and be one of the leaders and, and of, of of the protests and, and encourage us and keep an eye and also instructed to keep an eye out. For people if anyone's having medical issues because they think we walked about a mile mile and a half it was a lot i know we had the girls in the car so we could push them and, i had a, a and, stroller uh, or i was, I was out of shape i've been sitting around for three months during the pandemic not exercising i was i was cramping up <laughs> but we made it down to the waterfront and it was a warm day and um you know i, I think i know that left an experience uh, impact on our daughter i know so. natalie our youngest went around like protesting for the she next like six months protest. she went around like black lives matter like you know throwing you know throwing her you know her her fists in the air and it was it was you know interesting and so you know over the last two years it's just led to a lot of interesting conversations i think our oldest daughter in particular in terms of like she picks up things that we have the news on and try to like limit how much sometimes we have the news on around mm -hmm. her. So she's not yeah. like looking at it and why did that happen? And, and a lot of you no know, bad weather events and that freaks them out sometimes too, seeing like the weather and the tornado. Like, so this is a lot, obviously a lot has gone on in the world the last couple of years. And so to try to keep protect them from it, but also has led to some tough conversations and, you know, yes. for them to understand that, you know, sometimes all police aren't, aren't nice and aren't, aren't helpful. And that's a hard conversation yeah. to have with kids because they teach kids that you have a problem. Go to your closest police. Right. The police are your friends. And 
I can't yeah. carry that narrative with yeah. them anymore. I can't. So, I can't set them up for that disappointment. Yeah, again, having you know having family, you know, at least a cousin retired law enforcement, and, and and certainly having respect for the people who who lay their lives on the line. Um, but understanding that our world is more complex. It's not it that is. simple than what they may have learned in kindergarten. And some are really good. Yeah, most. Some are I would say most. most. I would say most. Are. I would say most. I would say yeah. most. Um, but we're all human, and and you know, and anybody you know who's working, I know it is. I was ch- chatting with my friend, um, you know, about documentaries coming out soon about um, a company where um, he was employed, and um, you know, it's it's about systems, it's about culture um, that lead to things happening um, that that aren't good, and so you know, it's, it's hard. I know people don't want to talk about systems and culture, um, and there's a lot of uh, anger and protest um, and pushing back against against that reality, um, but but it's true, and and, and so we have to. Um, explain you no know, explaining that to young kids is hard but also creating a space where they can ask us questions and we can you know prayerfully give mm-hmm. appropriate answers at this age but understanding we're laying a foundation for much more robust conversations you know probably about when they're teenagers um and, and understand and helping them to understand why we you know why we stood up and again for them as 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 followers of Christ what it stands up you know to say you know that black lives matter yeah. of course you know not saying that you know <laughs> that white lives don't matter. People want to say blue lives matter. And, you know, blue is a shirt. You can take that joint off and, and go about your day. Um, but we're born into this skin. We're born into this country and into, into this land. And there's an experience that, that we've lived. And so helping our, my daughters understand that and, and understanding um, that their friends, their peers may experience these things. They may experience certain things. Um, and unfortunately, you know, our oldest daughter already has experienced yes. some things. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some strong feelings and we've had to, to talk about as parents. Yeah, so why don't we get into that without mentioning any names or schools or anything like that. Um, Our daughter has had some experiences and I'm so thankful, guys. I say this on many, many episodes. I'm so thankful that we are a family that believes in therapy and goes, actually goes, just doesn't believe in it. Um, So Paige goes to therapy and um, while in her therapy, um, you know, some things have come out and um, we've had to address some issues. Um, one of which is some things that, you know, were said around some times at school um, and some things that were said to her. By and, a classmate. For, by a classmate. To be, to be clear. Yeah, by a classmate, <laughs> not by a teacher. Um, yeah. The school is handling it perfectly fine, wonderful. Russell is working with them. Um, but we really had to allow Paige a space to share how she feel and hear some really hard stuff that was said to her at seven. Um, so... You think it's okay for me to share what was said? No, I don't know if it's, if it's, okay. if it's necessary. Okay. Um, you know, in, in you know, in this space. Um, but you know, I, I will say it was it was almost to the effect. You know, she wasn't called the N word or anything like that. But no. um, she was very much um, in a in a way of you know mean girl talk at you know second grade. Yeah. Around uh, her a race. way about you know separating her based on her or her, or her race. Um, mm-hmm. And it was you know it was very explicit. Um, without using like you know bad words, if you will, right? Yeah. So, um, and you know, so it was it was hard, and it took her a while as we've learned to process that and to communicate. She's still processing to communicate that um, to mm-hmm. us, and it's definitely shifted. Um, I'm, I say unfortunately at times because I th- you know it's it's sad that this has to be, but it shifted her perspective as to what kind of friends she should have and who she's safe with. Yeah. Um, and you know, she has diverse friends, um, and she's you know gone obviously gone to school with. In predominantly white environments, um, you know, our church is predominantly black, so you know some of the connections she's has a diverse array of connections. Um, but it certainly shifted her perspective in terms of who she's safe with, um, and I feel for her in that sense. And as she gets older, I hope to be able, you know, to communicate with her and stand with her. 
and, and hope that she will have diverse groups of friends. So I, I want that for her. I want her to be able to feel safe with people from all different backgrounds, right? But understanding that at least for now, this is certainly um, dinged her that she had felt yeah. that she was directly singled out um, but because of because of her her race. Yeah. Um, and I think this affected her more if I you know can just be really honest. Um, it has affected her more because this isn't her first dealing with race. Honestly, guys, her first interaction with feeling how what's the word i can use around uh othered uh, excluded singled Others out excluded singled no, out yeah. <sighs> has come from family devalued yeah, yeah that's the hard part that her first experience is my family of origin um i'm estranged from my family uh i do have a wonderful relationship with my mother and i cherish her and i value her and i love the relationship that i have with her um, and my youngest brother's wife is very kind and reaches out to me via text. And I appreciate that so much about her. But outside of that, that's the only family of origin that I have um, and that is willing to be in our life. And it all started around race. Um, and it it hasn't, it, it, there's been other issues, but it all started around race. So mm -hmm. that's how Paige um, has absorbed it. That's how Paige sees it. And recently in her counseling, um, when all these race issues came up, this is what came to a head. And she sat there on the floor because she sits on the floor. It's play therapy. Um, she sat on the floor and cried her eyes out to me and asked me why my family doesn't love her and why her family doesn't love her and her dad. Because she doesn't see Natalie as black. Mm -hmm. She sees Natalie as blonde. <laughs> Maybe that's where black blonde came from. But Paige sees herself and dad very much as the black people in our family. When all of this started, it was around race. And that's what she saw. And that's what she interpreted. And I didn't know that for six months, she was carrying that around by herself until that day at the counseling office. I didn't realize that she had internalized so much of this um, as her fault, but she does. She internalizes all of this family estrangement and dysfunction as she's black and they don't love her and daddy's black and they don't love him and they don't want a relationship with her or daddy. Um, and because they are black, my entire family has chosen to walk away from us. And I don't believe that's the truth. I want to say that. I don't want any confusion yeah. for anyone to that. say that, yeah. that, that that's what we are telling her. That is not what we're telling her, but we don't know what to tell her because my family won't speak to us. So when she cries at me and asks me why she hasn't seen her family or an aunt or an uncle in 17 months, I say, I don't know, baby, because I don't know why either. And it's just a really hard place to be when you can't explain something to your child. Mm -hmm. I've had the conversation with you too, Russ, and, and I know there's plenty of people that say, well, why are you letting her experience this at seven? Why are you letting her? I can't protect her from this. I'm not at school with her every day. I can't protect the things that are said to her. I can't protect how my family of origin may treat her. So mm -hmm. I, I can't stop this from happening for her. And I said to you, maybe the first cut is the deepest. Maybe this first the, the, the fact that she has felt discrimination and racism from her family of origin, my family of origin, which is her family, maybe everything else won't feel as hard. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's a, you know, there's a, a few things I think, you know, and, and when everything happened with her at her school, I, I certainly questioned like, you know, did we make the right decision? It, you know, it, it took me a week to 
alert the school because I had to be very prayerful because my initial response is anger. Yeah. My initial response is wanting to tell every parent, talk to your children and clean your stuff up. Yeah. That's my, this being real, that's my gut. I know. Um, but uh, I prayerfully and wanting to be a bridge, um, and my pastor, Jimmy Rollins, I stole this from him. Got to be a bridge. You got to be ready to be walked on by both sides. I'm like, well, I want this Ooh, to be, a, I want this to that's be. That's good. A, Can you say that again? Say if, it again. If you want to be a bridge, you got to be prepared to be walked over on both, by both sides. Yes. And so I said, I want to be a bridge. I want to impact this school and these young people yes. and these teachers who, many of which who I've spoken to and, and the leader of the leaders of the school are trying and understand they can do better. And so I want to be the bridge. I want, want to be a problem solver and not just wreaking havoc. Um, even though my, my gut response is to want to protect my family. So, you know, realizing I experienced this before, you know, I, I do say, okay, well, you can't, you know, it's, it's, it's almost impossible in a, in a sense to protect um, our children from this. And I know that's hard probably for white folks that's to, what to I was understand. just going to say, and I was fighting it's, it in my yeah, head. It's hard, it's hard do you know that is the white defense though? <laughs> yeah. Every white person that I pretty much talk to about this is like, my child is too young to learn about racism. Yeah. One of the other moms at my kid's school said that. I'm like, really? Yeah. So your child is too young to learn, but my child is not too young to experience it and to have these yeah. deep pains and hurts. But every white person that I've talked to about this has kind of been like, why are you exposing your child to this? I don't have a choice, people. This well, there's research choice. that says as early as three years old, ch children are internalizing uh, race and racial concepts and even power dynamics, right? In terms of understanding and, and to being able to differentiate, right? And it's, it's it's very subtle and it's very subtle things that, that parents do, that parents say, that, that people yes. pick up on in school yep. that creates that dynamics. Kids are not dumb. Yep. Kids can understand more than they can articulate. At, at certain ages, right? Even jokes. And again, yeah. Even so, jokes. Right. I was raised in a yeah. home with racial jokes. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest, guys. I was raised in a home with racial very jokes. Very so things. If you walk past a black guy in the store and all of a sudden you squeeze your child's hand yep. a little harder. Or lock the first. door when they yeah. walk past right. you, in past the car. your car. Right. Yeah. So, I've seen that my whole life. So that, so that you wish, so there's something that's a threat. There's something to be a, So these very, there's very subtle things, but then just naturally kids are picking up on these things. Kids are differentiating kids and, and, and those things are reinforced if they're not addressed, right? They're reinforced amongst social groups. They're reinforced on the second grade playground if they're not if they're not addressed. And so it's sad to me, to me um, and it's it's you know it's a, it's a it's a blissful ignorance that I know white people many in this country are able to to maintain and not having to have these difficult conversations yet yet claiming to want a better world, not yet claiming to want their children not to act out on bias um, or act out on bias that's tinged with racism <laughs> or sexism or, or misogyny as we, you know, get older and become teens and we see our, our you know, our, our boys act out in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, we have to have these conversations and find uh, age appropriate ways to have them. Um, but our kids, again, certainly, um, at least our oldest for now has not, has not had that choice. The second thing really quickly, I want to say that I think white folks don't grapple with is that everything changed. Um, for many Black Americans, when George Floyd yes. was was lynched on TV, yes. and we had to watch it every day for weeks on end, yeah. And I think that's one thing your family of origin has yet to understand, yeah. Because I was the polite, friendly Black guy who 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 you know married uh, their twice divorced, you know, <laughs> problems. Yeah, you were the you were the alien. Yeah. Remember, they called yeah. who is this alien that yeah. wants to take on this crazy and, girl and all her problems? Exactly. And mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm still out of this world right? still out. you are still out of this world <laughs> honey you are out of this world but you know and, and i think you know and, and as we you know kind of get to wrap up a little bit like you know think about mm -hmm. i know one of the last things i, I wrote for us to, to touch on is like looking back from where we started and we started in 2013 it was a very different country a very different world um that that the, the time we came together and got married and began our family to the the 
election of our, our recent, our now former president, mm -hmm. um, all the way up through 2020 into now, and and what that has meant and what that has opened up um, in the in the you know in terms of the disruption, um, and, and I, I truly believe I stand on Bible. The weapons of our warfare are, are not of this world. It's spiritual in terms of what's been awoken in our mm -hmm. society about hate, um, with, with, you know, racism um, and homophobia. Um, and, and, and so many other things have erupted in our society that we live in a very different place. And there have been so many people who have truly, who are Black, including, and I'm amongst them, who have suffered indignities, who had suffered racism. I don't know if I've shared in this space, there was one business case where I was told by two lawyers that I had a, a, a civil rights lawsuit, or at least a, a fair shot at, you know, having something to, to make us think about um, for discrimination. And I, and I didn't. And I, and I think if that happened again now, I probably wouldn't sit, sit aside. I know there are many black people after watching George Floyd, George Floyd who said enough. Yeah. We've had enough of suffering, even if we've, we're educated and we're in these spaces of suffering. And we're seeing it now with Brian Flores having the courage to file his lawsuit. If you're following professional football or just the news, you've heard about his lawsuit. So it's we live in a different place. And so it was it's no longer um, time to to smile and move on to the next conversation. And really not to say that there was any case or time where I'd had to do that in our family, um, but there's certainly, uh, you know, in this season um, was not gonna be, um, there wasn't as much grace um, for, for ignorance and for unloving uh, comments and for outright uh, racism to, to, to be allowed to be around um, my family. Yeah. And so um, I, I'm hoping that folks are understanding and, and growing in their in their understanding. But I realize some people, uh, many people are resistant to change and yes. unfortunately will, will not change uh, this side of heaven. Can I can I say something that might sound a little weird? Say I it. just I just thought about this as you were talking about. Put it on I don't for me. I'm just speaking for me. Mm -hmm. I also had a wake and a wake. Well, so we, we had a lot of conversations. Yeah, had, I yeah. I have always been racially aware. I always had more black friends than white friends. I've always been, you know, an ally for black people, but something changed after George Floyd for me. I was not afraid to speak up in the past, but I am way more comfortable speaking up now. And I think I got to be honest, that might be why some people might don't love me so much or don't enjoy me so much, maybe we'll say. But I don't have a problem speaking up for injustice now. And I used to be scared and have a problem. And only if you were super close to me, was I going to be able to tell you. I had a girlfriend, she's been on my podcast, who 10 years ago said some racist stuff. And I told her, you're racist and you need to stop this. Like the behavior, the words, the things you're saying, they're not right. That's not cool. And we had a, we had a tough, tough go for a while. We are wonderful friends now. I cherish her deeply. But this is kind of, I've always had some comfortability of calling out white people, but now like I, I have had a, an awakening. Yeah. So for yeah. sure. Well, you know, I, I don't know if it's something we ever really unpacked, but you know, I think you having the chance to, to understand, to experience all these events through our eyes. I remember we first yes. were coming together um, and, and there was so much going on. And In I, Ferguson. And um, well, Ferguson yeah. was happening, and I'm I'm so mad that I'm blanking on my brother who was murdered by the police in Staten Island. We oh were, yeah, we were in New Garner. York. Yeah, Eric Garner. Eric Garner, and we were, we were in New York one time, and yes, we were, we were oh, in our they hotel, were protesting. And they were protesting. Walk past our hotel, <laughs> we and I like, was like, "Yo, we had the floor to ceiling glass. Yeah. We had the best view. We were like it, watching like, it. Wow, you know." And it so, was crazy. Um, having these conversations and me, you know, and understanding, you know, when the news got too much, when I was like, you know, because one time, I remember Don Lemon, you love Don Lemon. Do. 
he would just want to replay. Shout out to my mom. He want to. He want to. He want to. She loved Don Lemon. He want to replay. Um, you know. Um, you know, the, the George Floyd, and I just couldn't watch it over and over every yeah. night. He wanted to replay, and I understood why he felt the need. I don't know if I agree with it, but I understood why he needed to replay it for America to see. We can't bury it, but it's like it's too much for me to watch a, a, a to repeatedly have to experience and watch a lynching, um, and so. Um, it's, it's been, it's, I guess it's inevitable being around me, being a raised man, that, that your eyes mm-hmm. would be opened, um, to, to seeing the world through my eyes and through my, my lived experience. And then that, now that of our daughter. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll, we'll, this has been a little bit of a lengthier episode. It again, has. We're just having a conversation and, and, you know, uh, you're, you're getting a, a listening ear to it. Um, we're going to wrap up now. Um, you know, with, with some encouragement and, and, and there certainly, you know, is, is hope and, and, you know, we believe, you know, in the American experiment yes. and, um, you know, we believe in, I do have hope for this generation. I want to say that I do really, I, have when I was hope. saying it last night, the youth, the youth have to push to lead us, the youth, yes, the youth have, have to. to. And so to the extent we can, you know, I, you know, we're still youthful, but I really think it's the, the, the generation that, that follows is going to continue to, you know, I'm, I'm too old to be out there running from. Me too. You know, too old run, to be run, protesting run, 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 all the time, yeah, yeah, running from the police. I, you know, if you listen to <laughs> my podcast. I'll send you a couple yeah. dollars though. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, I, I have my moment, uh, my moments, you know, and maybe I'll have some again, but we really need the youth and that energy and that courage um, that, that will push us forward. So anyway, we'll, we'll wrap up with some encouragement. right well parenting like black lives matter we want to give some encouragements for for all the parents out there and grandparents and uh uncles and aunts godparents you name it um but we want to definitely leave on an encouraging note today as always yes all right so we're going to share a few things so i feel like after everything we talked about the first thing would be speak up even if it means you're going to lose somebody even if it means that things might get a little tough for a while. Um, It is so much better to speak up and to take a stand for what is wrong and what is right. One thing that I've had to learn in the last 16 months, 17 months of all of the estrangement from my family um, is that um, if you choose to be neutral when it comes to race, then you're really choosing the side of the oppressor. You know, I have a t-shirt that says silence is violence kind of the same thing. If you know your friend was raped, you're not going to stay silent. You're not going to allow someone else to go out and continue that violence. Um, And it's kind of the same way. If you know that someone is being hurt by someone's words and actions, that if you choose to just throw your hands in the air and say, this makes me uncomfortable and I don't want to deal with this, then you're choosing the side of the oppressor. You're not choosing for what is right. Um, The other thing I want to encourage you is lean into love. You know, think about like, how do I love this person? How do I love them through this? Or how can I be there to support them? Who, the racist person or which person? Everybody. Okay. Everybody. But no, 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 no. I wasn't referring to the racist person, by the way. No, we love love them too. We love them too. Yeah. And I pray for them. (laughs) Shout out to who I pray for. Um, The other thing I wrote, honestly, on my encouragement was don't be ignorant. I feel like that's so simple. What does Adam say? Don't be a jerk. Yeah. Adam well, says all the time. He probably says some, like, some choice language. In there. Yeah, the yeah, words yeah. in there, y'all. But I'm going to say, don't be ignorant. Yeah, don't be a jerk. Just, yeah. don't, just stop. Yeah. You know better. You know in your heart. Yeah. Um, 
keep the joke to yourself. Exactly. It's probably not that funny. And think about think about it. You know, before you you know why you even thought about it. Mm-hmm. So what about but you, Russ? What encouragement do you have? That self uh, examination. Well, I just want to you know encourage um, encourage uh, parents out there. And, you know, and certainly uh, I know it's, it's hard. Um, you know, but you know if you're if you're a white parent, you know I would say do not act like your child is too young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, find, you know, take a minute, find some stuff to read. Um, you know, it, it can be exhausting. I know, and, and people might say, "Russ, don't do, you know, I don't say this," but like, you know, f- find someone you can talk to, find a friend to say, you know, how do I have this conversation? See if your school, um, you know, has resources. I know a lot of schools are under attack right now, but find a framework to have these difficult conversations. I know there's a lot of difficult conversations to have right now. What's going on in our world? Um, but don't pretend like they're too young to have grasped certain concepts. Don't act like they're not learning it on the playground from their friends. Um, And if their school's not doing it, you have a responsibility as a parent to prepare your child um, for the world. And the fact of the matter is, this, you know, this country is going to be predominantly black and brown. And it's going to, I know white folks sometimes seem to want to keep their kids in the in a bubble where everybody's comfortable and everybody's like them and looks like them. You don't have to have these conversations. That's not the world our young people are going to in, in, inhabit increasingly. Uh, and we're in also in a global society. Um, so, you know, to, to your kid, the, the parents who have mixed race kids also, again, you know, you know, raise them to have an understanding of, of all of their heritage, but understand how the world might perceive them, might perceive their, their family. Um, you know, obviously I've seen families with interracial families where kids have all different complexions and our family represents that as well. Yes, um, and so an understanding, you know, who they are uh, for us is who, who we are in, in Christ, but also understanding how the world might perceive them, but understanding that they need to be confident in who they are. And if they want to change their identity one day, they, you know, they, don't, they don't have to conform to what the world says, that you're, you're a mix and you have to be black. Like, understand them to be strong and who you raise them to be but again understanding the world so that they're able to cope and able to handle it and able to show up um and same you know to to our you know our black and brown parents you know don't be afraid to have these conversations it may you may be experiencing it it may not be an experience yet but they have to understand uh, how to cope how to handle it how to speak up and hope you're creating safe spaces in your home where they can share and to parents i know it's hard it's extra work for us as black folks but find allies, find people you can speak to. Try to, if you're able, show up at your kid's school at the PTA, talk to the headmaster, the principals, the teachers, the guidance counselors, and, and send resources, send that email, send support. There, there are people who wanna help but don't know where to begin. Perhaps you can help them. So I know it's extra labor, but I hope the labor, I believe the labor is worth it that we're sowing seeds, not just yes. in, our, in our children's lives, but in the, in, our, in the future generation, in the classrooms where our kids are in school, it's sowing love and sowing uh, lessons and learning and encouragement into the lives of the community where your child goes to school. So I just wanna you know, leave you with that encouragement for all of you today, for everyone today. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. This was a tough conversation, so I hope everybody got something out of it. Um, There are some great resources for books. We have a ton of different books. We have books on protest, books on police, books on, you know, wonderful um, accomplishments of Black people. So if you're looking for books, resources, feel free to reach out to me. I'll send you a ton of them. We are very, try to stay on top of making sure that our kids have books because sometimes we don't know how to talk about everything either, guys. We are not not the master class of all things raising um, children or in black li- in the Black Lives Matter environment. So the kids have to see it before they can be. It's exactly. Seeing themselves seeing the and understanding, you know, seeing themselves in, in literature and in art and in cartoons and in books. 
is, is very powerful and impactful. And so experiencing all the diversity of our country and of our world um, is very impactful. So certainly encourage that as well. So feel free to reach out. We can help. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening. We love you.